0: Like anything in the business, is about understanding each other's love languages. I refer to whether it be marketing or whether it be technology or product. Understand that different people
1: think differently when it comes to problem solving. This is Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast. Here to help go-to-market leaders do one thing: stop guessing.
2: If you're ready to unlock reality and reach your potential, then this show is for you. I'm Sheena Badani.
1: And I'm Devin Reed, coming to you from the Gong Studios.
2: Every revenue leader has a secret weapon, and Ricky Sevtes is data. Ricky currently serves as CRO at SimPro Software, but he spent his early career as an engineer, and he hasn't lost his love for data and agile processes along the way. Instead, he's made them a critical part of his success. Ricky joins us at a pivotal moment in his organization – Simpro is a cloud-based field management software company, and they're in the midst of global expansion and high growth, which means he has plenty of insights to share on scaling sales teams, data-driven decision-making, and working with teams cross-functionally. Here's our conversation with Ricky. So let's get into a little bit of your background. You know, t- today you're CRO at Simpro, but you didn't actually grow up in sales like a lot of traditional CROs. Um, your background is actually in engineering, which is really, really interesting. So would love to just hear how you think your background, engineering driven, helped prepare you to run a sales org today.
0: Uh, you're right. Somewhat different. I guess you got to be you. For me, Sales is all about solving problems, right? I think engineers, by the way, they think about things. It's all about solving the problems, thinking before you act. Selling is no different to these. So, selling is basically just Bunch of steps, you got to break it down before you actually act. So I think in terms of what I've learned from the engineering side of things is really just kind of looking at the problem, breaking it down into small pieces, and then acting it. So again, selling is all about making sure we're solving the problem for customers. So we just kind of reverse engineer that. That's kind of how my brain naturally works. It's kind of worked its way, and I think that's the kind of model I naturally gravitate to. But I think there's a lot of things in common between sales and engineering.
2: I love the scientific and data-driven approach to sales that you bring. Um, That, of course, resonates with us a lot. But I'm sure as you stepped into this role, there were some gaps and maybe areas where you felt uh, you needed to develop, coach yourself, spend time learning. What were those areas? What were those skills that you felt you need to focus more on?
0: You're making me vulnerable now, but... uh... Look, great question, right? So selling is more than just what we just talked about before. It's just more than process. It's also about negotiation skills. I've got to be honest, we're missing the whole money mindset doesn't come naturally because engineers are introverts. We're all about, hey, listening and perhaps taking all that into consideration. So the gaps were more about making sure the problem solving is one thing, but it's got to fit commercially, right? So making sure that all of that uh, had to be worked up. And I think what I mean about money mindset is I think sales people in general are great at having it. you know, they're looking at the prize, they're looking at the size of the prize and then going after it. Engineers naturally are about breaking it into processes and steps. So getting groups with that and making sure that we love language of the two matches up was probably a big barrier that I had to come over. So, It's still a work in progress. It's something I'm having to work through day by day, but it's been great learning and I'm surrounded by a great bunch of team and team members who I learn from more than
1: I can teach. So that's been awesome. So you've made the connection of, you know, engineers take big problems, break it down step by step. It's all about problem solving. So with sales. So my question is almost just going to disregard that in a way and still dig in for a story here because Ricky, I've never worked uh, in all my years of sales worked for a you know, sales leader who comes from an engineering background. So I'm curious, do you have a time where maybe you solved a problem differently than a traditional sales leader or maybe a traditional sales background or approach would have?
0: Look, for me, it's all about peace, love, and data-driven decisions. I think what Sheena just mentioned earlier, right? So, you know, obviously being an empathetic uh, leadership is hugely important in any type of leadership skills, but going to data, that's my source. So I'm looking at problems. I'm kind of really putting people aside, and I'm going, where's the break in the chain? And then what needs to be, you know, whether it be middle of the funnel, top of the funnel, bottom of the funnel, so close win rates. So looking at more into where is the the link that gets broken down and then kind of deep diving in and using the tech stack that's available to us. So fortunate now too, like leading a team in this era where you're surrounded by great technology, you have the ability to actually dig deep. So to me, Devin, it's all about really just kind of getting into that. So whether it be, you know, using Gong, using your CRM and really kind of working through and then, you know, using the data to drive decisions as opposed to one-off. So, naturally look i can't really compare myself to other sales leaders i think a lot of sales leaders that i've worked for i've worked with the outcome base and that's awesome then that, that needs to be there i tend to fall back to something that has to be a repeatable process something that you can scale something that you can just go each and every time and you know that there's consistency so being inconsistently consistent doesn't really work in sales, as we all know. So I flip the script and I just go, hey, if we just run it A to Z and we run it each and every time, you can scale that model. You can pass it on to however many reps and sales leaders. So whichever problem it may be, even whether it be sales or technology or whatever purchasing you're doing, I just fall back
1: to that. I like it. To- totally makes sense.
2: When I think of kind of an engineering driven approach, I think about experimentation and testing to see what works and then scaling. Uh, So I'm curious if you have any
0: experiment-driven culture to your org. AB testing, I'm a huge fan of. It's something we do quite often, especially with the global scale of our business, right? So what we may do at any given time is try something out in a particular market on a smaller scale and then refresh it, fine tune it, and then work it up. So that's kind of been our method to success or madness, depending on how you look at things. So a lot of A-B testing and every part of the way we do things, that's kind of embedded into our culture and DNA, Sheena. So whether it be we're going to launch launch a new campaign, whether we're going to now do this or change the way we do things, we always like to try things first, as you said. So. Again, falling back to engineering way, a lot of it was about experiments. A lot of it was about getting to the point of perfection. However, before getting there, there was a lot of failures. There was a lot of breakdowns. So we like to learn from our failures and then get to a point where it's repeatable and scalable, as you say.
2: Are there any of those failures that you can tell us about?
1: That's our favorite, Ricky.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Depending on how long you've got. Look, uh, many. We've tried in the way that we've sort of restructured our business, sometimes we've got that wrong in terms of perhaps focusing too much on the inbound versus outbound, getting that right per geo is hugely important. What necessarily works in one geo doesn't work in the other. So you know, it's again taking learning and being adaptable and just actually being agile. I think a lot of people use that terminology but not quite sure what that means. So for us, Look, we tried there. We tried the whole inbound engine uh, that worked very really successfully in this part of the market. does not quite resonate with particularly the U.S. market. So there it's a case of blending the two, going into hybrid capacity. So there's been a lot of learnings along the way, but that really just comes to mind, is that one thing may work here, but not somewhere else. That's
2: a great point. And overall, the word agile is really came from a software development area anyway. And now we've kind of pulled that into the go to market side of things, like how entire teams can stay agile. But that concept was also engineering driven.
0: Absolutely. Again, going back to we can learn a lot from each other, right? So I think engineers and tech coworkers are so detail oriented. So everything kind of goes back to what can be repeatable, how do you break down the barriers, then how do you work out a solution. So I think in many ways, I I know Devin said that he not work for any engineers, leaders, but I frankly do think the two have a lot in common than
1: most people realize. Well, we're all about debunking misconceptions here. So happy to get taught something. And I'd like to dig into that a little bit more because uh, surprise, surprise, I'm an extrovert, ex-salesperson. One of the things I had to learn to do was to listen better uh, because I always thought, hey, I'm a a good talker. I can can really kind of talk my way into a deal uh, out of trouble when needed. But I'm sure that's only one and probably a bit of a generalization, right? I think a lot of people assume all salespeople are extroverts. People assume engineers are introverts. In your experience, Ricky, what are some of the maybe less obvious things that salespeople and engineers can or have learned from each other?
0: I think there's a lot of generalization in both ways, but great selling. Even as you would agree, involves people who are technical, thoughtful, and focused. So listening, again, I think just going back to very generalization flavor here, they like to listen, introverts love to listen, engineers love to listen, but it's about gathering information, right? It's all about making sure that you're solving the customer challenge. Your job is to understand where they are and needs of what they need to, you know, fulfill in terms of, you know, what the actual missing point is. And then being successful in any sales process to me is about following through system processes, right? So I think if that's something the two I feel have got a lot uh, in common, I also find that salespeople, the great salespeople, are all about having a rhythm. So it's having the disco calls, then having the demo script, and having all of that lined up. So to me, the two actually can learn quite a bit from each other. Some of the other things that come to mind is just you know, I think people getting it done kind of mindset, just do it. People would like to just kind of, you know, strong work ethic, show results and empathetic. I think that's, uh, that's something that's common across both the fields.
2: I'm curious how your background has impacted how you hire for your team. Are there specific qualities that you look for in new sales talent?
0: A little bit like what you're doing to me on this call, to be honest. It's like ability <laughs> to think outside the box.
1: <laughs> Right. <laughs> this is actually this is actually an interview, Ricky. I don't know if that this, like this is an uh, I, an open I, I totally
0: feel it. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Look, I think ability to think outside the box, think on your feet, relying on your experience, being yourself, having the right amount of confidence and your own ability to deliver success, being yourself, that's I think that's been huge in, in terms of how we've interviewed, how we brought our hiring process into the organization. And people who just like to get it done mindset. I think that's been huge. That's been massive for us. Especially when you're running a business like we do, which is spread across different geos. There's a lot of, there's number of things that any business can teach anybody, right? But you've got to bring your own flavor. Otherwise, it does sound like as if you're a virtual assistant. So to me, it's like having your own voice, having your own say, bringing about that additional flavor. So we rely heavily on people who just like to wake up, roll up their sleeves and just get it done.
1: Ricky, I know you have a global team. Obviously you, you mentioned earlier what works in one geo doesn't work in the next. There's you know, trying to get tribal knowledge across people that are new to the org and bring new perspectives, right? You have folks that know context of the organization. How do you go about scaling sales excellence as you expand your team? Uh, you know, scaling both in, in size and across geos?
0: To me, it just comes down to tool people process. Going back to the triangle of making sure each one worked cohesively. So we talked about developing a clear repeatable and sales process which obviously can be amplified to no matter which geo you go into second thing i think a lot of people talk about this implementing activity-based selling that's huge especially in our field where i think a lot of times sales naturally gravitate to outcome for us it's about setting up your team for lasting success it's about ensuring that not only do you focus on your goals but focus on activities that lead to those goals that takes the pressure off reps and gives the you know metrics to track obviously, to round it off, you need good technology that scale with you. That's huge important like huge huge important. I can't emphasize enough on that point, so making proactive decisions on scaling up is more than just getting out in front with people. It's about ensuring that you've got the tech to go with you to give you the insights to make tough decisions are we going to go into Europe? Are we going to go into Canada? Are we going to go into Africa? You need that data insight and you need the learnings that you get from it before you actually go there. So technology has played a big part in where we are now, and it's going to continue to play a big part. So technology like Gong in itself, the fact we now have the ability to, in the last couple of years where I've been stuck in New Zealand, I have the ability to go, actually, how are we selling so successfully in the US market, as well as UK market, what are the findings, what can we blend, what can we take from one market to the other. Platforms like yours give us the visibility and insights and what really works and then kind of going back to our secret sauce and applying that all together has been huge important.
2: As Ricky mentioned, knowing when your organization is ready for international expansion boils down to data-backed decisions. According to Invesp, 87% of marketers say data is their company's most underutilized asset. This is a huge problem that has much larger ramifications than just knowing when and how to expand your business. As Ricky says, data-driven decision-making is crucial for an organization to thrive. There's just no way around it. So it's time to do a little self-reflection and maybe even an audit. First ask yourself, what data does your team have access to today? then how much of that data are they equipped to act on today? If there's a disparity there, it's time to think about new technologies and processes that can make your data more actionable. I love how Ricky uses sales calls as data points for his team. We prodded him a bit more for specific examples of data points and cues his team uses to glean buyer readiness. Here's what he gave us.
0: Look, what I found, and I think some of the content that you also put up is when people actually open up and they, they throw in a F-bomb, that's when you know people are just being open and they're ready to do business. It's surprising that when if the customers or the prospects actually do that, you know they're comfortable and we're going to progress. Look, like, it's a funny note, but that really to me is about building trust, building, you know, it's nurturing that relationship. So that's been a huge fact finding. And I think what I love about everything in terms of technology is that stats it can give you. I'm a big basketball fan too and I'm a big rugby and cricket fan of course so it's all about the stats as you know right it's all about hey you know what's your percentage to field goal are you hitting a three-pointer are you what about your fours and sixes when it comes to cricket it's the same kind of thing it's uh, the ability to kind of dig in and go hey these are the that's what the top talent does and this is where the C players need to step up their game in terms of you know if you need to get to where they want to be so Again, data-centric, going back to really good insights and making those decisions.
1: Also a big basketball fan, and I'm happy that the limited cricket knowledge I have because my father-in-law, I know what a four and a six is, so I'm feeling pretty accomplished uh, now, Ricky. But have you seen uh, Have you seen Moneyball? I've seen it, yes. Yeah, that's a great one. If, if folks haven't seen it yet, that's like the best, uh, the, probably the first real what transition of like data and you know big data analytics into sports. Phenomenal movie. I just watched it again a couple a couple of weeks ago. So applicable to what you're talking about, which is finding those pockets where you can win, finding the pockets where you're losing that maybe you're right, you know, right underneath your nose and you have no idea. Uh, there's a lot of small decisions you can make that have a big impact. That, like you said, data can give you that that insight.
2: So you talked about the activity based selling, and in some ways, I think like uh, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about what that actually means and what activity are you tracking. But I suspect that a lot of that is there are leading indicators to whether or not your deal is going to be successful or not. So you know, again, before the outcome happens, like we were talking about. So I'm curious, like, okay, tell us a little bit more about activity-based and then like, are there certain metrics that you're looking at for those leading indicators?
0: Again, horses for courses. So I don't want to give you something which is generalized uh, view of what that is, but depending on the role, right? So when it comes to the closes, talk ratio. That's huge. If your talk ratio is higher than a certain percentage, you know you're not a good listener. Good listening means you're missing out on information. (laughs) I'm not throwing shades at anybody whose talk time is high necessarily, but what I'm saying, that just gives you the insight to go, hey, that's where you perhaps need to concentrate. Because normally, when you then correlate with high talk ratio, with churn and cancellation, you'd find there is something in common because you've just missed out on details. So I think having the ability to go into those kind of key insights and metrics and activity is hugely important to Ashina. And same with when it comes to the SDRs, like talk rate, like number of times you're making a call as opposed to, so what, you, what does your cadence look like? So there's a lot of experimentation. It's about ensuring that your key activity is actually directly related to the field you're serving. So for us it's trade customers, field service customers, they love to talk. They're not the type of people who are just going to sit there and check emails all day long. So that is hugely important. So again you know rounding that off with your ICP and making sure activity actually then is driven for is focused on driving results.
1: Yeah, it's funny you say that I was a top performer at my previous company. When I joined Gong, obviously I used Gong and my first three calls were over 80% talk time. And the light bulb went off, which was not that I have room to improve, but I was like, dang it. I'm one of those guys. I'm the sales guy who talks too much. Crap. I thought I was... I thought I was hot stuff. I thought I was good. And so, yeah, then, then it becomes a fun game to get as low as you can. while well, obviously still having good calls, but, you know, I'm with you there. And, and I think, too, it's like it's not a direct causation, right? Talking less isn't going to win you more deals, but listening more will give you the quote unquote ammo or the insights you need to put a better deal together. Uh, so I like how you said that, you know, putting different correlations together. I hadn't even thought about with churn, but I'm sure there's a bunch of different things. You know, you could kind of tie that to and get some great insight and coaching opportunities as well. So Ricky, I'm always curious what different KPIs or activity metrics that sales leaders look to or don't look at, you know, that maybe others do to kind of look at, you know, productivity and overall revenue gen. So I'm curious, like, are there any things that you, you know, as had a sales look at specifically? So quality
0: over quantity is, is is one of the main things to really work through here for us, Devin. So I think, you know, whether it be number of uh, calls you're making as SDR or BDR, it's honestly, that's not the, it's the touch point. So how many actual qualitative calls, connections you're making is one. And when it comes to the reps who are actually closing deals, close-win ratio to me is not necessarily the leading indicator as to how successful one is. That's about behind the scenes. It's deep diving into what activities are actually getting you in front of the customers to make sure that you are having those really good conversations because their close-win ratio may not be there right now, but they're having really deep, meaningful conversations, and so they're building a healthy pipeline which may come to fruition down the track, right? So it's it's a, I don't necessarily think once that should be your leading indicator, no matter which field you're in in sales or in fact, any any part of the business. So that for us is massive, the way we think about things here at Simpro.
1: I like it. It's an effort metric, right? Which is a good, which is good to look at in certain scenarios. But you know, there's always kind of an older school way of thinking, which is like, need $50 a day or $100 a day. There's people that might say, I actually only need 10 emails today to get the, you know, to build pipeline or, you know, just to use that example. So yeah, it's definitely more value driven than volume driven, uh, in my opinion.
2: Given that you have an engineering background, I suspect that you've been able to build relationships pretty effectively with your your peers on the engineering product side of the house. Because you kind of lived and breathed that for some part of your career. So, what advice would you have for other sales leaders who are maybe trying to navigate those
0: relationships? My, my Our CTO may disagree, but uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say maybe they're like, he's a trader. He went from uh, engineering <laughs> to sales and he's, he's dead to us. They don't even talk to me. So, it's uh, this might be a call
0: out. It really is just about, like anything in the business, is understanding each other's love languages. I refer to whether it be marketing or whether it be technology or product. Understand that different people think differently when it comes to problem solving. We all are trying to solve problems uh, as a team. So our coworkers are detail orientated. So they want to have as much information possible at their at their fingertips. So. If you can give them a script to a call where you've just come off uh, with a prospect, you felt like if you had the particular feature and you could get that, give them the link, right? Give them the script, give them and let them actually hear it from the voice of a customer. That's really powerful and meaningful. So making those connections is hugely and vastly important, I think, for our tech co-workers who don't necessarily have the ability to connect with the end users as often. So sales and marketing in particular play a big part in that, right? So be the enabler, be the bridge of connecting the two dots. So that would be my one simple advice, connect people.
2: I love that. And like using that evidence as bringing that relationship together. It's great.
1: Ricky, you're a good sport because we did give you a full prep and then ask about half those questions and half of our own. But that that just shows that it was a true conversation, right? Un- relatively unscripted. We appreciate that. So I'm going to throw one more at you, but this is a fun one. So no- nothing to worry. Uh, we ask all of the uh, guests on the show the same question to wrap up, which is, Ricky, how would you describe sales in one word? Fun. Fun. There you go. No hesitation.
2: If you're ready to make data-driven decisions the standard for your org, head over to gong.io for more resources. If you like what you heard, give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.